the brilliant podcast, shining a light on the brightest minds of Tallahassee and their brilliant ideas that are making the world a little brighter. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Brilliant Podcast. I've got Matthew Isbell with me here today. And Matthew, uh, I've known Matthew for quite some time. He's probably the, the person uh, that I've known in Tallahassee, at least one of them, for, for the longest amount of time. As uh, I've gotten to know Matt, I've gotten to know all of the, the different things that he's doing. And right now he is working with the Leon County property appraiser, but he also runs his own business. He he, he runs his own map making service and and that's kind of what we'll talk about today is uh, sort of the intersection of politics and maps and all things that are in that realm and so matt thanks for being on with us today i thank you for having me so tell me a little bit about mci maps tell me about what you do with maps sure yeah so one of the major things that i've gotten into over the last decade has been using maps and cartography to visualize the populations of you know the country our city the world, mapping and visualizing voters, non-voters, populations, whether we're looking at how areas lean politically, looking at how demographics have changed and moved with time, how areas have grown or shrunk, whether it's the rise of new communities or the collapse of old cities and sort of trying to use maps and visualizations to understand the populations themselves, what drives them and why they operate or act the way they do. This is an audio podcast, so we're not able to show people what one of your maps looks like. Can you describe to somebody who would be listening, hey, what what does one of those maps look like? Like what's something that you would be, what's one of the questions that would drive it? And then yeah, what would it look like when, when you actually got that into map form? Sure. And we can use for an example, the recent elections that we had for president as an example of the value of map, you know, especially in political worlds and in demographic analysis. And if anybody watched the the election on the news, especially on cable news, you probably saw big maps of, you know, pundits and experts looking at states color coded red or blue for the results. And that can give you a, a general understanding. But after the election, there's been an explosion of maps and data to analyze, well, why did certain states or communities vote the way they did? And a good example of a very prominent map that stood out after the election was out of Texas, which for the first time since the 1970s was a bit of a battleground state. And looking at the results of that map and looking at a map that showed the counties and how they moved from 2016 to 2020, whether they got redder or bluer, the map that came out showed that while a lot of the different big city areas, the counties that include Austin or San Antonio, Houston, Dallas, all got a lot more Democratic and they show up as leaning blue on the map. The Rio Grande Valley along the Texas border grew much more conservative. And what this showed to people for the first time was that that Rio Grande border, which is a heavily 
Catholic Hispanic area had actually gotten more Republican and that the Democrats who used to dominate with this voting block had taken it for granted and it had swung against them and it hurt their ability to win Texas, even though they were making gains in the cities. So you can just look at that map and say, wow, that stands out. Look at that big red swing along the border. And it helps then show that there was an issue, good issue for the Republicans and a bad issue for the Democrats. And then both parties could look at that and say, okay, we need to investigate this further. So the maps can be really good for helping highlight an issue immediately. It's a fast visual. It looks, sparks the interest of the person looking at it, and then it can promote further analysis. It kind of drives you deeper into the the map as you look at it. It grabs your attention and it pulls you into whatever those places might be where you, you can go, oh, there that might explain something here. Correct. And part of my contracting work with mapping can sometimes be specifically, hey, Matthew, we need to really hammer home to this industry group, this group of donors, or this activist group that, hey, this area is a problem. Hey, we're losing ground in this area. Can you visualize this? And creating a map that shows any number of different demographic or political trends or population growth trends can be used to sort of help explain something and visualize it to people who otherwise might not be in the mood to read a 10-page statistical analysis sheet with a bunch of Excel formulas and math. Instead, you can sort of put that on a nice, colorful image, and it just it makes it more accessible to your average non-math geek person. Because if you show me an Excel sheet, I'm going to glaze over. But if you show me a map, I'm going to be more likely to say, oh, that's kind of interesting. I, I wonder what those little what those little pixels are all about, what those those little things are there. As you've been doing this, what are some of the takeaways that you have just about human behavior, about the world, about life, as you sort of look at humanity through the lens of these maps? You know, the main thing that you take away from humanity is how contradictory they can be at different times. Old, you know, old adages, especially in the political world, have long been that, you know, certain trends will keep compounding on each other and that, well, this area is growing, you know, more blue or more red or this area doesn't vote or it always votes. It'll never change. And every now and then you see these major contradictions, major differences. Areas will swing in ways you wouldn't expect. Voters will react to different candidates or referendums, ballot questions differently than you might expect they would. And nothing is ever a guarantee. And voters can often act in ways that you might not expect them to. Voters can act very contradictory to their demographics at times. And sometimes campaigns get a little too complacent with what they think is going to happen. And you see that sort of that sort that reality check come in every now and then. Basically, human beings are complicated, complex things. And, you know, so often we try to you know, just pigeonhole people into one you know, sort of one voting block or another. 
or uh, we try to pigeonhole people into you're this ethnicity or you are uh, this religion or you are this socioeconomic level, whatever those things might be. But the reality is that human beings are complex and they're complicated and they're even fickle sometimes. That sometimes I, I think some of the things that come out in your maps that we've talked about have been where all signs point to they should be voting this way, but they're not. My decade of doing this has really helped me better understand voting behavior from a more simplistic view I had of things a decade ago when I was in college. And I think a lot of people are still making the same mistakes where they will map a a race or look at a trend and they'll think, this doesn't make any sense. This group shouldn't have done this. Mapping is a great tool to help visualize to a larger audience data and understand voter behavior, but it needs to be accompanied by more rigorous analysis. Uh, But with that map should be a longer paper explaining in more detail Maybe that paper is not for everybody. Maybe that paper is for some other folks. The map is a great way to rope people in, but it's not the end-all be-all. And it's, it's, it's a dual relationship with analysis and real on the ground, talking to voters and understanding them, and then offering some visuals. But the visual is not by itself enough. I think of something that you said earlier, how this works with social media like you know a map can grab somebody's attention on social media but the important thing to remember there as with the map as well as with all of social media is that the tweet may be the story but the tweet is not the whole story and likewise for the map the map is the story but the map is not the whole story it just gives you sort of this overview this sense of like okay this is what the story is And now I need to dig deeper into this story and figure out what's going on here. I always want to have one map from that article that really stands out, will really capture the people who are seeing it so that they will click the link at all. Because I have come to understand the, the readers, the people that are following me, and then some people who might follow the person who retweets it or shares it, are going to be captivated by the image. If the image does not captivate them, they're not going to click the link. So the image at times can be sort of the bait. Like I'm trying to lure you in so that you can better understand this issue. Uh, but if the bait is not flashy enough, you, you might not click it at all. Trust me, you want to read this article. You'll learn a lot, but I'm going to lure you in with this really flashy map. I think there the that that notion of like okay there there's something with this image this image is meant to be something that draws you further into the story and in so many ways what you're doing is you're just doing the job of a communicator what a, what the communicator does when they're communicating well is they they say hey this is this is why this should have your attention and that's where the map comes in and, and the map says, hey, this is what is worth your attention. 
and it's so worth your attention that you can that you'll draw into the rest of this and you'll look at the other maps and you'll read the text and those kind of things what you're doing with these maps is you're simply communicating the reality of what's there in a way that's accessible to people because when you were talking about your your excel sheet that's not accessible to me. If I look at your Excel sheet, I'm going to be like, ah, that's a bunch of numbers, thanks. But when I look at the map, I know what's going on there. And I think that's an important piece. No matter who's listening to this, they, they can kind of take away that, you know, that idea about human behavior and, and whatever, that it, we need to communicate things in a way that's an open door to people to understand what we're talking about. Because so often we just, yeah, you know, we'll talk in jargon or we'll do whatever, and it's not good communication. You know, sometimes the simplest image can tell a person a lot about what's going on in an area, including people like me who were looking at the data for hours and hours before I put it in like a visual realm. So, so these are the types of things that mapping can offer. It can help better explain how a city or whatever jurisdiction is operating. And it helps you to see it. The da- like you were saying, the data was there. It, it wasn't like you, you know, somehow did some polling and you found new data. The data was there. The data was available to everybody, but it was just sort of invisible because it was, you know, like you're watching the Matrix and, and it's just all of those numbers in the background there. But when you put it into a map, all of a sudden it it becomes real. It becomes something that you go, oh, now I see that there's maybe an issue here. Now I see that there's an issue in terms of the first example that you made where, okay, there's there's this uh, small bunch of people that are voting in a way that, that doesn't seem like it's the way that they should be voting if all of the trends remained the same. And so it, it takes those things and it, it really brings them to light and it says, okay, this is now something to pay attention to. How important is that awareness so much of the time? Because we can all get mired down in what we're looking at and then finally say wait a second you know what what am i looking it's it's the old forest for the trees thing and i i don't see the forest because i'm just looking at the trees here so the brilliant believes that there is a a strength to understanding yourself and understanding what you do and understanding what you believe and and how those things come together. How does your map making, how does that connect up with what you believe? I've always been very fascinated with history. Um, My degree in college was in both history and political science. I was a double major. And, you know, when you study a lot of history, and I've always been drawn more to I guess you would say the darker parts of history that can really kind of jade you to a lot of the world, humanity, whatever. I I do like to make the joke, like God is so much more patient than I ever could be. I would have flooded the planet probably 20 times by this point. And I think even American politics now, uh, regardless of what side you're on can be a very uh, jaded and disconcerting Um, issue people are screaming and fighting we're seeing a rise of a lot more violent clashes in streets as you know in a lot of instances some of this is years of pain and suffering kind of boiling over Um, we saw it last summer Um, we've seen it with the election you saw people storm the capitol steps in in january 
And so you can get really disheartened by it and really bummed out. And what I've really, you know, wanted to do to sort of maintain a sense of faith and a sense of hope and kind of remembering that, look, sometimes, not that these bad stories are not relevant, you know, they are important. We, we have to address the, the, the problems that are in our society, um, but you don't want to become completely consumed by them. What I've really liked to focus on then in my map making, especially my non-consultant work, you know, with campaign work, I, I'm hired by who I'm hired by and I do that work. And sometimes it's very mundane stuff. Sometimes it's really exciting. But what I like to do in my free time, stuff that I've written about a lot on my website is to focus a lot on issues that are really important to me. Um, in the last four or five years, a major important issue for me has been Native American voting rights and Native American representation. I became really obsessed with a county out in Utah called San Juan County, which is a majority Native American county, and their long struggle to get um, to win control of the county board of commission, which for the longest time, the lines of the county commission had been drawn to pack the reservation into one district out of three. And there was a whole lawsuit and there was fights to have, you know, better, fairer lines that would give the native population, which was a majority, the opportunity to win more than one seat out of three. And when that eventually happened and there were these elections and there was referendums, there was a lot of battles going on. And I like to focus on it and be a big advocate for it and try to bring it to people's attention to sort of be like, look, there's a lot of things going on in this country and in the world. And to focus on a couple feel good stories and be like, see, this is this progress, this improvement can happen. It, it definitely can be uplifting to see a population that for a long time has not been uh, treated with respect or been given adequate voting power based on its population numbers again. So to finally get that sense of justice, I think is a good way to sort of remember, okay, there are good stories. You know, there's a lot of bad. We got we to gotta deal with that bad. There's also good, and I think that's important. I think that's important in any sort of career or vocation is to sort of remember, okay, there's there's good, you know, and and we need to focus on that. And and I liked as that whole issue was going on, and I got a lot of comments from people saying we're really happy. A lot of people were like, "Thank you for being somebody who's bringing attention to the, some rural county of ten thousand people in Utah that no one's paying attention to." You're talking to it. You're talking to some of the different press about it um, and bringing attention to it out in the East Coast. And so so that's the kind of things I like to do, because I think it not only helps keep me grounded and reminds me about the positive things in the world, but it also gives me a, a righteous purpose, sort of be an advocate for different issues like voting rights and voting power. You know what really strikes me about that, and this is something that has kind of been throughout our entire conversation, has been just this the the inherent dignity of of the human being, and how we lose that inherent dignity. For, you know, we we take that away from people so often in so many different ways, 
And it's either by ignoring them or by pigeonholing them and categorizing them and doing, you know, things like that where all of a sudden they become more statistical than what they are human. You know, the the irony here is that you are literally working with statistics (laughs) when you're creating these maps. But what you're doing there is actually engaging the rest of the world, anybody who sees your work, and challenging them with this idea of the this inherent dignity, this inherent, you know, sort of autonomy, and, and I'd even say, like, you know, this inherent image of God uh, that people have in them that that is a sense of, hey, this is something that's important. This, this person can make whatever decisions they want. They don't have to uh, go by any particular set rule. And giving them back that voice and giving them that visibility through, through your maps is something that you're able to do vocationally. You're able to say, hey, look at this Native American community that is having voting rights issues that need to be solved. Look at these other things. How can we treat one another more as human beings, especially in such a realm where people are likely to be dehumanized as politics. Yeah, I think it's very important to remember that behind all these numbers are actual people and they all have a dig they all deserve a dignity about them. And there's a lot of times where people and, and you see this both sides do it. Natural disaster hits an area. Oh, how did this area vote? Do they deserve this? Oh, Texas power grid collapses. Well they voted for that government that didn't weatherize the grid. And there's a fair point about what the government did or didn't do because of something like that. Does that mean anybody deserved to freeze to death in their house? Of course not. These are people. And yeah, there's a dignity that has to be maintained. I think I would hope that this pandemic for others has shown that the disservice of treating things as a statistic. Oh, survival rates for COVID or this, or, you know, 99% of people will be fine. The 1% don't matter. Like those people are dead. Their families are destroyed. These things matter. So yeah, as somebody who's worked with statistics for a decade plus, the important thing has always been to remember that, okay, you have to use statistics because the population is too big to do so otherwise. But that doesn't mean that they're not all people. Yeah, and it goes back to that sense that that I got right away from the map, that the map is meant to draw you in. And finally, where that draws you in is to the humanity of the people that are being mapped. This is great. Thanks, Matt. Um, If people want to look at your stuff, if people want to look at your your maps or, or want to contact you, how can they do that? They can go to, uh, I got my website, MCI, as in Matthew Craig Isbell, maps.com. So that's MCIMaps.com. Awesome. Thanks, man. We appreciate it. And any last parting words? You know, like I said, um, look, look at what, follow politics, follow demographics. There's a lot to learn out there about people. But just remember, behind all those numbers and those colors and those fancy images are actual human beings. This has been The Brilliant Podcast, where brilliant people talk about brilliant ideas that make the world a little brighter. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to The Brilliant Podcast and follow us on Instagram at 
Brilliant FSU. If you have any questions or suggestions, email us at brilliantfsu at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Now go make the world a little brighter.